Chapter Thirty of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. As for John Dryden's Charles, I own that king was never any very mighty thing, and yet he was a devilish honest fellow, enjoyed his friend and bottle, and got mellow dr wolute london the grand central point of intrigues of every description had now attracted within its dark and shadowy region the greater number of the personages whom we have had occasion to mention julian peveril amongst others of the dramatis personae had arrived and taken up his abode in a remote inn in the suburbs his business he conceived was to remain incognito until he should have communicated in private with the friends who were most likely to lend assistance to his parents as well as to his patroness in their present situation of doubt and danger amongst these the most powerful was the duke of ormond whose faithful services high rank and acknowledged worth and virtue still preserved an ascendancy in that very court where in general he was regarded as out of favour indeed so much consciousness did charles display in his demeanour towards that celebrated noble and servant of his father that buckingham once took the freedom to ask the king whether the duke of ormond had lost his majesty's favour or his majesty the duke's since whenever they chanced to meet the king appeared the more embarrassed of the two but it was not peveril's good fortune to obtain the advice or countenance of this distinguished person his grace of ormond was not at that time in london the letter about the delivery of which the countess had seemed most anxious after that to the duke of ormond was addressed to captain barstow a jesuit whose real name was fenwick to be found or at least to be heard of in the house of one martin crystal in the savoy to this place hastened peveril upon learning the absence of the duke of ormond he was not ignorant of the danger which he personally incurred by thus becoming a medium of communication betwixt a popish priest and a suspected catholic but when he undertook the perilous commission of his patroness he had done so frankly and with the unreserved resolution of serving her in the manner in which she most desired her affairs to be conducted yet he could not forbear some secret apprehension when he felt himself engaged in the labyrinth of passages and galleries which led to different obscure sets of apartments in the ancient building termed the savoy this antiquated and almost ruinous pile occupied a part of the site of the public offices in the strand commonly called somerset house the savoy had been formerly a palace and took its name from an earl of savoy by whom it was founded it had been the habitation of john of gaunt 
and several persons of distinction had become a convent an hospital and finally in charles the second's time a waste of dilapidated buildings and ruinous apartments inhabited chiefly by those who had some connection with or dependence upon the neighbouring palace of somerset house which more fortunate than the savoy had still retained its royal title and was the abode of a part of the court and occasionally of the king himself who had apartments there it was not without several inquiries and more than one mistake that at the end of a long and dusky passage composed of boards so wasted by time that they threatened to give way under his feet julian at length found the name of martin crystal broker and appraiser upon a shattered door he was about to knock when some one pulled his cloak and looking round to his great astonishment which indeed almost amounted to fear he saw the little mute damsel who had accompanied him for a part of the way on his voyage from the isle of man fenella he exclaimed forgetting that she could neither hear nor reply fenella can this be you fenella assuming the air of warning and authority which she had heretofore endeavoured to adopt towards him interposed betwixt julian and the door at which he was about to knock pointed with her finger towards it in a prohibiting manner and at the same time bent her brows and shook her head sternly after a moment's consideration julian could place but one interpretation upon fenella's appearance and conduct and that was by supposing her lady had come up to london and had dispatched this mute attendant as a confidential person to apprise him of some change of her intended operations which might render the delivery of her letters to barstow alias fenwick superfluous or perhaps dangerous he made signs to fenella demanding to know whether she had any commission from the countess she nodded had she any letter he continued by the same mode of inquiry she shook her head impatiently and walking hastily along the passage made a signal to him to follow he did so having little doubt that he was about to be conducted into the countess's presence but his surprise at first excited by fenella's appearance was increased by the rapidity and ease with which she seemed to track the dusky and decayed mazes of the dilapidated savoy equal to that with which he had seen her formerly lead the way through the gloomy vaults of castle russian in the isle of man when he recollected however that fenella had accompanied the countess on a long visit to london it appeared not improbable that she might then have acquired this local knowledge which seemed so accurate many foreigners dependent on queen or queen dowager had apartments in the savoy many catholic priests also found refuge in its recesses under various disguises and in defiance of the severity of the laws against popery what was more likely 
than that the countess of derby a catholic and a frenchwoman should have had secret commissions amongst such people and that the execution of such should be entrusted at least occasionally to fenella thus reflecting julian continued to follow her light and active footsteps as she glided from the strand to spring garden and thence into the park it was still early in the morning and the mall was untenanted save by a few walkers who frequented these shades for the wholesome purpose of air and exercise splendour gaiety and display did not come forth at that period until noon was approaching all readers have heard that the whole space where the horse guards are now built made in the time of charles the second a part of st james's park and that the old building now called the treasury was a part of the ancient palace of whitehall which was thus immediately connected with the park the canal had been constructed by the celebrated la norte for the purpose of draining the park and it communicated with the thames by a decoy stocked with a quantity of the rarer waterfowl it was towards this decoy that fenella bent her way with unabated speed and they were approaching a group of two or three gentlemen who sauntered by its banks when on looking closely at him who appeared to be the chief of the party julian felt his heart beat uncommonly thick as if conscious of approaching some one of the highest consequence the person whom he looked upon was past the middle age of life of a dark complexion corresponding with the long black full-bottomed periwig which he wore instead of his own hair his dress was plain black velvet with a diamond star however on his cloak which hung carelessly over one shoulder his features strongly lined even to harshness had yet an expression of dignified good-humour he was well and strongly built walked upright and yet easily and had upon the whole the air of a person of the highest consideration he kept rather in advance of his companions but turned and spoke to them from time to time with much affability and probably with some liveliness judging by the smiles and sometimes the scarce restrained laughter by which some of his sallies were received by his attendants they also wore only morning dresses but their looks and manner were those of men of rank in presence of one in station still more elevated they shared the attention of their principal in common with seven or eight little black curly-haired spaniels or rather as they are now called cockers which attended their master as closely and perhaps with as deep sentiments of attachment as the bipeds of the group and whose gambols which seemed to afford him much amusement he sometimes checked and sometimes encouraged in addition to this pastime a lackey or groom was also in attendance with one or two little baskets and bags from which the gentleman we have described took from time to time a handful of seeds 
and amused themselves with throwing them to the waterfowl this the king's favourite occupation together with his remarkable countenance and the deportment of the rest of the company towards him satisfied julian peveril that he was approaching perhaps indecorously near the person of charles stuart the second of that unhappy name while he hesitated to follow his dumb guide any nearer and felt the embarrassment of being unable to communicate to her his repugnance to further intrusion a person in the royal retinue touched a light and lively air on the flageolet at a signal from the king who desired to have some tune repeated which had struck him in the theatre on the preceding evening while the good-natured monarch marked time with his foot and with the motion of his hand fenella continued to approach him and threw into her manner the appearance of one who was attracted as it were in spite of herself by the sounds of the instrument anxious to know how this was to end and astonished to see the dumb girl imitate so accurately the manner of one who actually heard the musical notes peveril also drew near though at somewhat greater distance the king looked good-humouredly at both as if he admitted their musical enthusiasm as an excuse for their intrusion but his eyes became riveted on fenella whose face and appearance although rather singular than beautiful had something in them wild fantastic and as being so even captivating to an eye which had been gratified perhaps to satiety with the ordinary forms of female beauty she did not appear to notice how closely she was observed but as if acting under an irresistible impulse derived from the sounds to which she seemed to listen she undid the bodkin round which her long tresses were winded and flinging them suddenly over her slender person as if using them as a natural veil she began to dance with infinite grace and agility to the tune which the flageolet played peveril almost lost his sense of the king's presence when he observed with what wonderful grace and agility fenella kept time to notes which could only be known to her by the motions of the musician's fingers he had heard indeed among other prodigies of a person in fenella's unhappy situation acquiring by some unaccountable and mysterious tact the power of acting as an instrumental musician nay becoming so accurate a performer as to be capable of leading a musical band and he also heard of deaf and dumb persons dancing with sufficient accuracy by observing the motions of their partner but fenella's performance seemed more wonderful than either since the musician was guided by his written notes and the dancer by the motions of the others whereas fenella had no intimation save what she seemed to gather with infinite accuracy by observing the motion of the artist's fingers on his small instrument as for the king who was ignorant of the particular circumstances which rendered fenella's performance almost marvellous he was contented at her first commencement 
to authorize what seemed to him the frolic of this singular-looking damsel by a good-natured smile but when he perceived the exquisite truth and justice as well as the wonderful combination of grace and agility with which she executed to this favourite air a dance which was perfectly new to him charles turned this mere acquiescence into something like enthusiastic applause he bore time to her motions with the movement of his foot applauded with head and with hand and seemed like herself carried away by the enthusiasm of the justic art after a rapid yet graceful succession of entrechats fenella introduced a slow movement which terminated the dance then dropping a profound curtsey she continued to stand motionless before the king her arms folded on her bosom her head stooped and her eyes cast down after the manner of an oriental slave while through the misty veil of her shadowy locks it might be observed that the colour which exercise had called to her cheeks was dying fast away and resigning them to their native dusky hue by my honour exclaimed the king she is like a fairy who trips it in moonlight there must be more of air and fire than of earth in her composition it is well poor nelly gwen saw her not or she would have died of grief and envy come gentlemen which of you contrived this pretty piece of morning pastime the courtiers looked at each other but none of them felt authorized to claim the merit of a service so agreeable we must ask the quick-eyed nymph herself then said the king and looking at fenella he added tell us my pretty one to whom we owe the pleasure of seeing you i suspect the duke of buckingham for this is exactly a tour de saint merier fenella on observing that the king addressed her bowed low and shook her head in signal that she did not understand what he said odds fish that is true said the king she must perforce be a foreigner her complexion and agility speak it france or italy has had the moulding of those elastic limbs dark cheek and eye of fire he then put to her in french and again in italian the question by whom she had been sent hither at the second repetition fenella threw back her veiling tresses so as to show the melancholy which sat on her brow while she sadly shook her head and intimated by imperfect muttering but of the softest and most plaintive kind her organic deficiency is it possible nature can have made such a fault said charles can she have left so curious a piece as thou art without the melody of voice whilst she made thee so exquisitely sensible to the beauty of sound stay what means this and what young fellow are you bringing up there oh the master of the show i suppose friend he added addressing himself to peveril who on the signal of fenella stepped forward almost instinctively and kneeled down we thank thee for the pleasure of this morning my lord marquis 
you rooked me at piquet last night for which disloyal deed thou shalt now atone by giving a couple of pieces to this honest youth and five to the girl as the nobleman drew out his purse and came forward to perform the king's generous commission julian felt some embarrassment ere he was able to explain that he had not title to be benefited by the young person's performance and that his majesty had mistaken his character and who art thou then my friend said charles but above all and particularly who is this dancing nymph whom thou standest waiting on like an attendant fawn the young person is a retainer of the countess dowager of derby so please your majesty said peveril in a low tone of voice and i am hold hold said the king this is a dance to another tune and not fit for a place so public hark thee friend do thou and the young woman follow epsom where he will conduct thee Empson, carry them hark in thy ear may it please your majesty i ought to say said peveril that i am guiltless of any purpose of intrusion now a plague on him who can take no hint said the king cutting short his apology odds fish man there are times when civility is the greatest impertinence in the world do thou follow Empson and amuse thyself for a half-hour's space with the fairy's company till we shall send for you charles spoke this not without casting an anxious eye around and in a tone which intimated apprehension of being overheard julian could only bow obedience and follow Empson, who was the same person that played so rarely on the flageolet when they were out of sight of the king and his party the musician wished to enter into conversation with his companions and addressed himself first to fenella with a broad compliment of by the mass ye dance rarely never a slut on the boards shows such a shank i would be content to play to you till my throat were as dry as my whistle come be a little free old raleigh will not quit the park till nine i will carry you to spring garden and bestow sweet cakes and a quart of rhenish on both of you and we'll be camarados what the devil no answer how's this brother is the neat wench of yours deaf or dumb or both i should laugh at that and she'd trip it so well to the flageolet to rid himself of this fellow's discourse peveril answered him in french that he was a foreigner and spoke no english glad to escape though at the expense of a fiction from the additional embarrassment of a fool who was likely to ask more questions than his own wisdom might have enabled him to answer etranger that means stranger muttered their guide more french dogs and jades come to lick the good english butter of our bread or perhaps an italian puppet-show well if it were not that they have a mortal enmity to the whole gamut this were enough to make any honest fellow turn puritan but if i am to play to her at the duchess's i'll be damned but i'd put her out in the tune 
just to teach her to have the impudence to come to england and to speak no english having muttered to himself this truly british resolution the musician walked briskly on towards a large house near the bottom of st james's street and entered the court by a grated door from the park of which the mansion commanded an extensive prospect peveril finding himself in front of a handsome portico under which opened a stately pair of folding doors was about to ascend the steps that led to the main entrance when his guide seized him by the arm exclaiming hold monsieur what you'll lose nothing i see for want of courage but you must keep the back way for all your fine doublet here it is not knock and it shall be opened but maybe instead knock and you shall be knocked suffering himself to be guided by empson julian deviated from the principal door to one which opened with less ostentation in an angle of the courtyard on a modest tap from the flute-player admittance was afforded him and his companions by a footman who conducted them through a variety of stone passages to a very handsome summer parlour where a lady or something resembling one dressed in a style of extra elegance was trifling with a play-book while she finished her chocolate it would not be easy to describe her but by weighing her natural good qualities against the affectations which counterbalanced them she would have been handsome but for rouge and minauderie would have been civil but for overstrained airs of patronage and condescension would have had an agreeable voice had she spoken in her natural tone and fine eyes had she not made such desperate hard use of them she could only spoil a pretty ankle by too liberal display but her shape though she could not yet be thirty years old had the embon point which might have suited better with ten years more advanced she pointed empson to a seat with the air of a duchess and asked him languidly how he did this age that she had not seen him and what folks these were he had brought with him foreigners madam damned foreigners answered empson starving beggars that our old friend has picked up in the park this morning the wench dances and the fellow plays on the jew's trump i believe on my life madam i begin to be ashamed of old rowley i must discard him unless he keeps better company in future fie empson said the lady consider it is our duty to countenance him and keep him afloat and indeed i always make a principle of it hark ye he comes not hither this morning he will be here answered empson in the walking of a minuet my god exclaimed the lady with unaffected alarm and starting up with utter neglect of her usual and graceful languor she tripped as swiftly as a milkmaid into an adjoining apartment where they heard presently a few words of eager and animated discussion something to be put out of the way i suppose said empson well for madam i gave her the hint 
there he goes the happy swain julian was so situated that he could from the same casement through which empson was peeping observe a man in a laced roquelar and carrying his rapier under his arm glide from the door by which he had himself entered and out of the court keeping as much as possible under the shade of the buildings the lady re-entered at this moment and observing how empson's eyes were directed said with a slight appearance of hurry a gentleman of the duchess of portsmouth's with a billet and so tiresomely pressing for an answer that i was obliged to write without my diamond pen i have daubed my fingers i dare say she added looking at a very pretty hand and presently after dipping her fingers in a little silver vase of rose-water but that little exotic monster of yours empson i hope she really understands no english on my life she coloured is she such a rare dancer i must see her dance and hear him play on the jew's harp dance replied empson she danced well enough when i played to her i can make anything dance old counsellor clubfoot danced when he had a fit of the gout you have seen no such pas swell in the theatre i would engage to make the archbishop of canterbury dance the haze like a frenchman there is nothing in dancing it all lies in the music raleigh does not know that now he saw this poor wench dance and thought so much on it when it was all along of me i would have defied her to sit still and raleigh gives her the credit of it and five pieces to boot and i have only two for my morning's work true master empson said the lady but you are of the family though in a lower station and you ought to consider by god madam answered empson all i consider is that i play the best flageolet in england and that they can no more supply my place if they were to discard me than they could fill thames from fleet ditch well master empson i do not dispute but you are a man of talents replied the lady still i say mind the main chance you please the ear to-day another has the advantage of you to-morrow never mistress while ears have the heavenly power of distinguishing one note from another heavenly power say you master empson said the lady ay madam heavenly for some very neat verses which we had at our festival say what know we of the blessed above but that they sing and that they love it is master waller wrote them as i think who upon my word ought to be encouraged and so should you my dear empson said the dame yawning were it only for the honour you do to your own profession but in the meantime will you ask these people to have some refreshment and will you take some yourself the chocolate is that which the ambassador portuguese fellow brought over to the queen if it be genuine said the musician how sir said the fair one half rising from her pile of cushions not genuine and in this house 
let me understand you master empson i think when i first saw you you scarce knew chocolate from coffee by god madam answered the flageolet player you are perfectly right and how can i show better how much i have profited by your ladyship's excellent cheer except by being critical you stand excused master empson said the petite maitresse sinking gently back on the downy couch from which a momentary irritation had startled her i think the chocolate will please you though scarce equal to what we had from the spanish resident mendoza but we must offer these strange people something will you ask them if they would have coffee and chocolate or cold wild fowl fruit and wine they must be treated so as to show them where they are since here they are unquestionably madam said empson but i have just at this instant forgot the french for chocolate hot bread coffee game and drinkables it is odd said the lady and i have forgot my french and italian at the same moment but it signifies little i will order the things to be brought and they will remember the names of them themselves empson laughed loudly at this jest and pawned his soul that the cold sirloin which entered immediately after was the best emblem of roast beef all the world over plentiful refreshments were offered to all the party of which both fenella and peveril partook in the meanwhile the flageolet player drew closer to the side of the lady of the mansion their intimacy was cemented and their spirits set afloat by a glass of liqueur which gave them additional confidence in discussing the characters as well of the superior attendants of the court as of the inferior rank to which they themselves might be supposed to belong the lady indeed during this conversation frequently exerted her complete and absolute superiority over master empson in which that musical gentleman humbly acquiesced whenever the circumstance was recalled to his attention whether in the way of blunt contradiction sarcastic insinuation downright assumption of higher importance or in any of the other various modes by which such superiority is usually asserted and maintained but the lady's obvious love of scandal was the lure which very soon brought her again down from the dignified part which for a moment she assumed and placed her once more on a gossiping level with her companion their conversation was too trivial and too much allied to petty court intrigues with which he was totally unacquainted to be in the least interesting to julian as it continued for more than an hour he soon ceased to pay the least attention to a discourse consisting of nicknames patchwork and innuendo and employed himself in reflecting on his own complicated affairs and the probable issue of his approaching audience with the king which had been brought about by so singular an agent and by means so unexpected he often looked to his guide fenella and observed that she was for the greater part of the time drowned in deep and abstracted meditation but three or four times 
and it was when the assumed airs and affected importance of the musician and their hostess rose to the most extravagant excess he observed that fenella dealt askance on them some of those bitter and almost blighting elfin looks which in the isle of man were held to imply contemptuous execration there was something in all her manner so extraordinary joined to her sudden appearance and her demeanour in the king's presence so oddly yet so well contrived to procure him a private audience which he might by graver means have sought in vain that it almost justified the idea though he smiled at it internally that the little mute agent was aided in her machinations by the kindred imps to whom according to manx's superstition her genealogy was to be traced another idea sometimes occurred to julian though he rejected the question as being equally wild with those doubts which referred fenella to a race different from that of mortals was she really afflicted with those organical imperfections which had always seemed to sever her from humanity if not what could be the motives of so young a creature practising so dreadful a penance for such an unremitted term of years and how formidable must be the strength of mind which could condemn itself to so terrific a sacrifice how deep and strong the purpose for which it was undertaken but a brief recollection of past events enabled him to dismiss this conjecture as altogether wild and visionary he had but to call to memory the various stratagems practised by his light-hearted companion the young earl of derby upon this forlorn girl the conversations held in her presence in which the character of a creature so irritable and sensitive upon all occasions was freely and sometimes satirically discussed without her expressing the least acquaintance with what was going forward to convince him that so deep a deception could never have been practised for so many years by a being of a turn of mind so peculiarly jealous and irascible he renounced therefore the idea and turned his thoughts to his own affairs and his approaching interview with his sovereign in which meditation we propose to leave him until we briefly review the changes which had taken place in the situation of alice bridgenorth End of chapter thirty